chapter four of monte cristo's daughter by edmund flagg this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four a stormy interview when captain joliet entered the dressing-room of mademoiselle d'armilly after quitting the count of monte cristo at the apollo theatre on the sudden termination of the performance of lucrezia borgia he found the prima donna lying upon a sofa and slowly recovering from the effects of her swoon her maid and the ladies of the company the latter still in their stage attire were giving her every attention it was a strange and somewhat grotesque scene a real drama with theatrical surroundings the blazing lights enclosed by their wire spheres threw a ruddy glare upon the faces of those present making them appear weird and witch-like in their paint and powder on chairs and tables lay mademoiselle d'armilly's changes of dress for the performance and her street garments while upon a broad shelf in front of a mirror were the various mysterious articles used in her make-up rouge grease-paint poudre de riz etc together with brushes and numerous camel's hair pencils a basin filled with water stood on a washstand and on the floor was the pitcher in company with a heterogeneous collection of stage and street boots belonging to the eminent songstress the director of the theatre was standing anxiously beside the suffering prima donna mentally calculating the chances of her ability to appear the following night leon d'armilly was walking back and forth in the small apartment wringing his hands and shedding tears like a woman while at the open door lounged the tenor and baritone of the troupe their countenances wearing the usual listless expression of veteran opera singers who from long habit are thoroughly accustomed to the indispositions and caprices of prima donnas and consider them as incidental to the profession as captain joliette came in leon ran to him and exclaimed amid his tears oh how could you bring that odious man to your box see how the very sight of him has affected my poor sister at these words mademoiselle d'armilly roused herself and springing to her feet faced the young soldier in a fit of uncontrollable rage how dare you she cried her eyes flashing and her voice tremulous with anger come here to me after what has occurred to-night i was not aware louise answered he apologetically that you had such a terrible aversion to the count of monte cristo the count of monte cristo exclaimed the director was he in the house this evening what an honour the irate prima donna flashed upon him a terrible glance if you consider it an honour to have that monster in your theatre she fairly hissed i will sing for you no more the humiliated director walked away without making a reply he deemed it the part of wisdom not to embroil himself with an eminent artiste who was capable of bringing him in so much money and who also was capable he thought of breaking her engagement if she saw fit to do so he therefore left the dressing-room the others seeing that mademoiselle d'armilly was evidently about to have a hot dispute with her admirer and that she was sufficiently restored to need no further care also quitted the apartment 
when they were alone the prima donna turned fiercely upon the captain exclaiming and you professed to love me too was it love that induced you to bring my worst enemy here to-night it was hatred rather captain joliette you hate me you know i do not louise said the young soldier warmly you know i love you to desperation why then was the so-called count of monte cristo in your box i was not aware that you knew him indeed i felt convinced that he was a total stranger to you and his conduct to-night tended to confirm that conviction he looked at you without the slightest sign of recognition and so far from being your enemy is he that he gave you louder and more enthusiastic applause than any other man in the entire theatre it is his art captain joliette i tell you that man is as cunning as a serpent and as remorseless as a tiger only this morning he sought to gain access to me with what iniquitous motive i know not but i returned his letter with an answer that must have galled his pride to the quick i saw that answer said the captain monte cristo showed it to me himself at his residence the palazzo costi what cried mademoiselle d'armilly with augmented anger you saw it read my very words and yet brought him to your box listen louise and be reasonable he told me that your name seemed familiar to him and yet he could not recall where or under what circumstances he had heard it he was astonished at the tone of your reply to his formal and i must say very civil note i was sure there must be some mistake on your part that you had confounded him with some other person i had gone to the palazzo costi expressly to invite him to hear you sing to have such a great man present and assist at your triumph i felt proud of you louise proud of you as an artiste and as a woman and i wanted my friend of friends to share my exalted appreciation of you such were the reasons that induced me to bring him to my box to-night and surely if i committed an error i deserve pardon for my motives i will never pardon you be your motives what they may cried mademoiselle d'armilly vindictively his presence ruined the performance and disgraced me me louise d'armilly in the eyes of all rome the captain stood speechless appalled by her fury white with rage her eyes flashing and her bosom heaving she looked like some beautiful demon i would have triumphed as usual had he not been here she continued furiously and bitterly and to-morrow the eternal city would have been at my feet i would have been an acknowledged queen nay even greater than any sovereign alive but now i have failed and am nothing captain joliette for all this you are to blame and yet you think you deserve pardon for your motives why man you are worse than an idiot no i will never pardon you never she strode about the dressing-room as she spoke her small white hands working as if ready to tear the young soldier to pieces joliette watched her for an instant and then said you are a singular creature louise a problem that i must admit i cannot solve what is the count of monte cristo to you that you swoon at the mere sight of him you certainly could not have been in any way associated with his past life have suffered from the signal vengeance he took upon his enemies years ago 
mademoiselle d'armilly paused suddenly in her excited walk and seizing the captain by the arm with so strong a clutch that a thrill of pain shot through him cried menacingly if you dare to mention monte cristo's fiendish vengeance to me again i will banish you forever from my presence at that moment one of the officials of the theatre appeared at the dressing-room door a note for mademoiselle said he bowing profoundly the prima donna took the missive from the man and glanced at the address upon the envelope as she did so she knitted her brows and cried out his handwriting another insult i will not read it the official withdrew in confusion whose handwriting asked joliette his curiosity and jealousy simultaneously excited mademoiselle d'armilly had frequently referred to her numerous admirers and the letters she received from them and the captain naturally jumped to the conclusion that this note had been sent by some ardent roman suitor he considered the artiste's exclamation and assumption of displeasure as mere artful tricks designed to deceive him whose handwriting repeated mademoiselle d'armilly scornfully must i explain everything to you the young man had borne all his companion in her anger had heaped upon him with comparative equanimity but he could not bear the idea of a rival the very thought was torture louise he pleaded let me see that letter let me read it what must you needs examine my private correspondence captain joliette you are going too far you have done enough to-night without adding insult to injury i do not seek to injure you louise god knows neither do i wish to insult you but that letter i must and will read you talk as if i were already your wife and slave adopt another and less authoritative tone monsieur captain joliette you are not yet my husband would that i were and were sure of your love louise the continual uncertainty in which you keep me is insupportable you refuse to let me read that letter the young man in his turn began to pace the dressing-room excitedly his jealous suspicions growing stronger and stronger mademoiselle d'armilly gazed at him triumphantly she was proud of the vast influence she exercised over this brave and manly warrior he would stand unmoved before the cannon's mouth but she could make him quail and tremble you refuse to let me read that letter he repeated what if i do not refuse said she in a softer tone you will make me a very happy man then read it for i will not thus i show my contempt for its miserable and cowardly author she crumpled the note in her hand and cast it on the floor then she placed her foot upon it joliette stooped and took it from beneath her boot he straightened out the envelope opened it removed the missive and read as follows the count of monte cristo presents his respects to mademoiselle d'armilly and begs leave to express his deep regret that his presence in captain joliette's box was the cause of such a grave catastrophe he is utterly at a loss to realize why mademoiselle d'armilly should entertain so profound an aversion for him and why the sight of him should so seriously affect her if mademoiselle d'armilly would condescend to explain he would regard it as a special favor he trusts that captain joliette will in no wise be blamed for what has occurred as that gentleman when he invited the count to share his box was as thoroughly convinced as the count himself that mademoiselle d'armilly did not know and would not recognize him 
as joliette read the last lines that so completely cleared him he could not suppress an exclamation of joy louise he cried the count of monte cristo has written to exculpate me indeed replied the prima donna contemptuously yes he also apologizes to you and asks you to explain why the sight of him so seriously affects you he asks an explanation does he cried mademoiselle d'armilly her anger resuming sway he shall never have one but you will pardon me as you see i am altogether blameless i will hold your pardon under advisement captain my action towards you will be greatly influenced by your future conduct in regard to the wretch who calls himself monte cristo you surely do not wish me to cast him off to shun him do you prefer him to me i love you louise love you better than anything or anybody else in the whole world but i greatly esteem the count of monte cristo there are ties between us that you do not understand i do not care to understand them i have told you that this man is my enemy that should be sufficient for you my lover and my enemy cannot be friends choose between us would you have me quarrel with him quarrel with him yes and not only that i would have you fight him kill him the young man stood aghast he was totally unprepared for this explosion this savage vindictive demand fight him kill him louise you cannot you do not mean what you say am i in the habit of using idle words louise louise i entreat you do not impose such horrible conditions upon me are you afraid of monte cristo i am afraid of no man living louise but i cannot challenge monte cristo to a duel even for you then you refuse to protect to champion me oh louise how can you speak thus i would gladly shed every drop of blood in my veins for you gladly lay down my life for you but do not ask me to lift a hand against the count of monte cristo the beautiful woman looked at the energetic speaker haughtily and discontentedly she was not a little disappointed she had thought her influence over her suitor unbounded but now it appeared that it had its limits she however did not despair well knowing the wonderful fascination she possessed for men she determined to bring all its batteries to bear upon captain joliette she was bent on wreaking a terrible vengeance upon the count of monte cristo for some mysterious injury he had inflicted on her in the past an injury in regard to which she refused to be communicative even to her accepted lover and was resolved that joliette should give the highest proof of his devotion to her by becoming the instrument of that vengeance with the shrewdness of an experienced woman of the world she readily saw that a special effort would be required on her part to bend the gallant soldier to her will and compel him to execute her inexorable purpose she would make that special effort and in making it would render herself so captivating so enticing so desirable that joliette could not fail to be intoxicated with her charms and fascinations then under the mad sway of his blind passion excited to the utmost he would be ready to do anything for her anything even to the commission of a crime even to shedding the blood of his dearest friend 
at this juncture mademoiselle d'armilly turning from the captain as if in high displeasure for it was an important part of her plan to assume a certain degree of coldness towards him at first touched a bell and immediately her brother leon and her maid appeared franchette she said addressing the latter assist me with my street toilet i have sufficiently recovered to return to the hotel de france unmindful of the presence of the captain and leon the designing prima donna at once began to remove the costume she had worn during the opera the maid aided her in this operation with the outward impassibility of theatrical servants though she imperceptibly smiled as she realized that this display of her mistress's personal charms was made solely for the purpose of rendering the young soldier still more the slave of that artful siren as mademoiselle d'armilly stood in her corset and clinging skirts of spotless white that delicately outlined her faultless shape her fine throat shoulders and arms displaying their glowing brilliancy captain joliet gazed at her like one entranced never in all his life he thought had he looked upon a woman so thoroughly beautiful so goddess-like she was as perfect as a painting of venus and a thousand times more lovely for being alive he held his breath as he saw her bosom palpitate and felt that he would give all he possessed in the world to call her his own to be with her for ever leon seemed somewhat abashed by his sister's proceeding and blushed like a girl the crimson tide giving his countenance a beauty altogether feminine the toilet operation completed mademoiselle d'armilly surveyed herself triumphantly in the mirror she was well aware that she had riveted her chains very tightly upon her lover but for all that she could tell only by actual experiment if he were sufficiently under her dominion to accede to her wishes concerning the count of monte cristo hence she determined to make that experiment without delay ere cool reflection had come to the dazzled warrior's aid and enabled him to realize that a trap had been laid for him quitting the mirror she went to captain joliette's side and placing her hand on his arm as she threw into his eyes all the magnetism of her glance said in a dulcet tone will you accompany me to the hotel captain the young man joyously assented and soon an elegant equipage was bearing him swiftly towards the prima donna's apartments End of chapter four